Is it inevitable that our brain and memory decline as we age? It's a commonly held belief, but what if our choices and lifestyle could make a difference? Hello, and welcome to Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Please like and subscribe, and I'll keep you updated on my most recent episode. We're going to dive into this topic today with one of the leading experts in the field, and I'd like to welcome Dr. Rudolph Tanzi. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Robin. It's a pleasure to be here. You have quite a long bio, and I had to cut it down, but let me just uh, go over some of the wonderful things you're doing. Dr. Tansy is the director of the Genetics and Aging Research Unit at Massachusetts General Hospital, where he is co-director of the McCants Center for Brain Health. He is a professor of neurology at Harvard Medical School, and he has co-discovered the first three Alzheimer's disease genes and he directs the Alzheimer's Genome Project. Dr. Tansy has published more than 600 papers and is a New York Times best-selling author. He's co-authored four books, including this one, if I could grab it, Super Brain, uh, one in a series that he has written with world-renowned author, Dr. Deepak Chopra. And in his spare time, he plays keyboards for Joe Perry and Aerosmith, just on the side. <laughs> it's a little thing that he does. <laughs> so welcome. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. I told you we did an interview before for my radio show, and I said, I just feel like like I'm, I haven't done anything with my life reading your bio. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> you have done a lot, and you're still doing a lot, and it's such a worthy cause because so many people are affected by dementia and Alzheimer's, a form of dementia. Talk to us about your research, what you're doing, and what you're discovering. Well, it's it's really divided into two parts. One is we'd like to know what can you do to maintain your brain health, preserve it, promote it, um, and stave off brain diseases, most notably Alzheimer's disease, which we're also afraid of as we get older. And on the other side of the coin is more of a traditional medical approach, um, which is how do we come up with new therapies to prevent and to treat Alzheimer's disease? And there I'm focusing on using what's already out there. What can you already buy in terms of known approved drugs and natural products and trying to repurpose those in various combinations. Um, and just to mention you in, in the big pharma drug industry, a lot, of our, a lot of the failure comes from because they have to develop new drugs that have never been around before to make money, right? Um, they don't make money repurposing known drugs. Right. So, and that comes with problems with safety and is the drug really going to make it even past the first phase of clinical trials? So we're doing a lot with repurposing natural products and approved drugs for the treatment side. So that's incredible because, you know, when people who are especially caretakers of those with Alzheimer's, you don't want to hear it's about the money, although that's our world. But you want to hear someone's going to find something to help either, you know, reduce the risk or help my loved one, uh, you know, so that it doesn't advance as far. And I don't know if we want to say cure, but at least, you know, try to alleviate some of the problems associated with Alzheimer's and dementia. And it is really a difficult problem and it is growing in our, as our population ages. As far as new drugs or as far as the drugs that you are repurposing, what what's on the horizon? Can we expect yeah. some, some help for people? Yeah, I think... You know, cure is a tough word to use realistically, right? But we think about Alzheimer's disease like diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure. We try to manage it. And think about how we manage heart disease. We, we start 
screening for cholesterol early in life and we we keep it down in diabetes we screen for insulin and glucose so in most of these other diseases that that do not affect the brain we practice early um, detection early prevention Un unfortunately with alzheimer's disease and parkinson's disease we don't diagnose those diseases until until the brain is already deteriorated to the point of dysfunction like if, if we if we were to diagnose diabetes the way we diagnose Alzheimer's, we'd, we would wait until the pancreas lost half of its important beta cells that make insulin. Mm -hmm. But that, so we have, to, Alzheimer's has to catch up. Parkinson's disease has to catch up. So we're, so on one hand, we're trying to come up with the indicators of brain health, the early warning signs of disease that come around 10, 20, 30 years before you're going to get Alzheimer's. And then based on those warning signs, what can we give you that's safe that you can take for decades that will keep that brain pathology away or keep it down. Just like we do with heart disease and cholesterol, very analogous. And the genes I discovered in the 80s and 90s have already taught us what those targets are. And then by developing mini human brain organoids the size of a pea, where we can recapitulate what happens over 30 years leading to Alzheimer's in the brain, we can get to happen in 30 days. So That's picture exactly. a mini human brain organoids the size of a lentil or a pea. And in there, we got the whole cascade of Alzheimer's from plaques, amyloid, the senile plaques or amyloid plaques, to the tangles, to neuroinflammation, instead of 30 years, 30 days. So this has made drug discovery 100 times faster, 100 times cheaper than, you know, trying to use mice. And that's why now we can think about repurposing known drugs and natural products, what do we already have on the shelf that would work? Because now we can test them and know. So that's one big part of what we're doing at the McCants Center. And the other big part is, you know, what can you do with lifestyle in the meantime to help prevent these diseases without medicines? Yes, absolutely. But that's fascinating to me that, you know, maybe when you're 30 years old, you could get a test just like you would get a mammogram or just any other kind of test to see if you're at risk. But the, the fascinating thing about this is even if you have certain genes, you can still change the path. And I found that so interesting in your book. You can still change the path by what you do. Can you explain how that works? Yeah. So the, if you take the three, and I'm trying to, I'm not trying to tell the books, but if you take the three books that I wrote with uh, Deepak Chopra, the, the first one, Super Brains, tries to you know, tell you that you're not just your brain. You're the user of your brain. Your brain is an organ that serves you. And all too often, we're conditioned by how our neural networks in our brain have developed. So we're triggered to have certain emotions or thoughts or limited belief systems about what we can do because that's how the brain is develops over time. And you know, the super brain message is to remember that your brain is just an organ that brings you images and brings you sensations it brings you feelings it brings you thoughts it brings you imagination and memories but the important thing is it brings you the real you is the you using the brain so i you know i use an example that if you see a red car you'd say i see a red car you wouldn't say i am a red car right, <laughs> right but if that right. red car goes into a puddle and splashes you with mud you would say i am angry well, guess what? Your brain just did its other job. Instead of bringing you the vision of a red car, now it brought you the feeling of anger. 
But once you have a, once the brain brings you a feeling, you say, I am that feeling. I am angry. I am upset. That's just as crazy as saying I am a red car. So yeah. the, the point of super brain is to remember that your brain brings you sensations from your five senses. It brings you imagination and memories. It brings you feelings. And it also brings you thoughts. But that's not who you are. It's, that, it's just your brain doing its job. You have to take that mountaintop consciousness, sit on the top of the mountain and say, okay, brain, what are you bringing me now? And by not identifying with it, basically you can, I don't want to say control it, but you can work with your brain to, to bring yourself a better world. So that's the super brain idea. And that neuroplasticity, your neural network is constantly being dynamically changed. A hundred billion nerve cells, trillions of connections, constantly being changed by your outlook, perspective, and how you're experiencing the world. Take advantage of it. That is really what's fascinating to me because we've been so conditioned to think I'm getting older, I'm declining, you know, it's just the way it's going to be. That's part of life. And, but I have to tell you, I'm going to be 60 soon. And I think to myself, almost there's once a day where I'll put my phone somewhere and I, where's my phone? Where's my, it's almost a joke in my family. And I think, oh my gosh, what's going on? But I found something interesting in your book. I didn't mentally think about where I put my phone. Right. And you can't remember something you didn't learn. And I thought that was so interesting because how right. many times people lose stuff because they didn't mentally for one second say, I'm putting my phone here. Or I'm putting my keys here. And you will remember it if you just learn it. But I didn't learn it because I put it down and just walked away. Is that, you know, something for us to kind of work on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, your brain is like a computer that serves you. It's not who you are, right? And it only has so much memory. <laughs> And so much RAM and, you know, so many, so many, uh, you know, this, this case would be petabytes, not terabytes. But the thing is this, as we get older, just like you own a computer for a long time, eventually you get a new computer with more memory or more storage, uh -huh. right? Or more RAM. Yeah. Well, we can't do that. No. Right? We're stuck with what we got with our brain. And then we kind of get upset as we get older that, that with all this memory taken up and all this all of our neural network filled with information about names and places and this and that, we get upset when we forget something. Well, the thing is, you forget it because first of all, you have to make an effort to remember it. You have to make an effort to be mindful in the moment and say, okay, what am I doing? Where did I put my keys? You, you know, as we get older, there are two things that happen. One is our bandwidth becomes constricted, but two is we, we become conditioned by our entire lives and experiences to expect certain things. Mm -hmm. And the more you expect as you get older, rather than observe, the more disappointed you're going to be and the more stressed you're going to be. And add on top of that, the fact that we have Google and internet to find anything we want anytime, you know how many of us are now expect, we expect ourselves to be Google. We get upset if we can't quickly remember a name or quickly remember a place because you're used to going to your phone and finding anything you want right away. And you're saying, why can't I do that? Well, we were never able to do that in the past. Yeah, right? you remember phone numbers in the past. You knew yes. everybody's phone number. Now you don't know anyone's phone number. So we've been conditioned by these very high expectations. With email and social media, we expect people to get back to us right away the same day. In the old days, you wrote a letter, you waited two weeks, right? <laughs> Now you now you this stress that just comes from expectation. Yeah. And this is the first thing to manage is just to say, whoa, I, you know, I only have so much here. I got, I got this brain. I got 100 billion nerve cells. 
I got trillions of synapses. They've been, you know, I've been using them for a few decades now. Go easy on yourself. Okay. <laughs> just try to stay in the moment. Remember that your brain is just an organ trying to serve you. Don't identify with it. And everything starts to get better. No, oh, well, that's a really good tip. So I don't feel so bad then. But I am going to make an effort to not misplace my phone because <laughs> that's really constant. And again, and remembering names. And I, I, there was something that you said, make a list for the supermarket, but go in and try to remember what you need to buy without looking at it. And I thought that was interesting. You know, work your brain, make, make yourself learn to remember. That's an mm -hmm. important part of it, isn't it? I'm impressed you really read the book. This is great. <laughs> yeah, anytime you can, we call it neurobics. I like rather than so neurobics is where you're it can be as it can be as easy as in the morning deciding to brush your teeth with your left hand. Just doing that is going to stimulate all kinds of nerve cells to make new connections, you know, that um to strengthen the brain. Um putting your pants on with the with the for other leg in the whatever, you know, putting in your left leg first rather than your right leg. There's all kinds of things you can do just to do something different. Uh, taking a different route to work. Of course, with GPS now, that's not a challenge, but, you know, see if you can take another route to work without using your GPS. Just challenge your brain every once in a while, kind of like through mental exercises. One. Learning a language, isn't that one that really challenges you, changes your brain a bit? Well, every time you learn something new or mm -hmm. force yourself to do something new, it's like money in the bank. Why do I say that? Because you're building up your cognitive reserve. So here's what you need to remember is that as we get older, the, the way we get into trouble leading to mild cognitive impairment or, or Alzheimer's disease is at the end of the day, it's due to the loss of the connections between nerve cells. Mm -hmm. These connections cause synapses. So you have 100 billion or so nerve cells making trillions of connections cause synapses. Well, every time you learn something new, you always associate the new thing with what you already knew. So you're not only making new synapses, but you're strengthening the ones you already had because you're associating the new thing with the old thing. That's, that's what learning is. Mm -hmm. Something's new and you put it into context of what you already know. And that means you're making new synapses and you're strengthening old ones. So you're strengthening your neural network. So that's building up your cognitive, your synaptic reserve, your cognitive reserve. So I tell people when you're getting older, don't just think about financial reserve. Think also about synaptic reserve, because the more synapses you force yourself to make learning new things, the more you can lose before you lose it, just like money in the bank. That is, wow, that's a great way to look at it. And you actually came up with a really wonderful acronym and it's a it's a it's called the shield method if mm -hmm. you could discuss that because it's really you know common sense stuff but now we're relating it to the brain and our cognitive health and i think that's where there's a disconnect with some people not realizing just how important it is to to live a healthy lifestyle and make good choices yeah the l l the learn new things is the l and shield in fact yes. so that's yes. a good pickup um so in, in in the healing self the the last book in the trilogy we had the second half of the book is the seven day action plan and you know where you focus on either diet or stress reduction or sleep or exercise and i'll tell you what happened is in 2018 is that um at the same time the healing self was coming out early in the year i had an album coming out with joe perry and um and we, we we recorded it recorded the album at johnny depp's house he was the executive producer 
And it was a, in fact, um, Zach Starkey, Ringo Starr's son was on drums. It's a great album. Um, and so a lot was happening at once. I had to go talk about the book, but I also had to go play some shows for the album release. And, and I was, how do you and, do this? <laughs> I know. Well, this was a particularly crazy time with way too much going on. So I said, I have to think about some way to encapsulate the seven day action plan and the healing self. And I was literally in the shower. And luckily, I keep this pad in the shower called Aqua Notes. And the pencil says on it, don't let those good ideas go down the drain. Because, you know, you're in the shower and the hot water's on your head. And right. I know. And all this, you get all these ideas, you kind of go from this alpha beta wavelength in your brain down to theta, you're relaxed, almost like semi meditative. And you get these ideas and then you get out of the shower and you towel off, you're like, whoa, what was I thinking about? Because it was great. Almost so, like the end of a dream when you wake up, like, oh, yes. what is that, you know? Same idea, and because you go down to theta. And so I, so this pad allows you to quickly write it down, right? So I, I came up with this idea of shield, and I luckily I wrote it down, and then I tweeted it, and then the tweet got, you know, went, I don't know, got like viral, semi-viral. But ever since then, this was back in 20, you know, this was back when the book was coming out, and now it's been, I don't know, five years or so. Um, but Shield's kind of taken off, and 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 my next book will be about Shield actually itself, um, if I ever get around to writing that. Um, can we break it down. Can we break this acronym down? Just uh, it's quick overview, and then talk yeah. about each each one. Yeah, sure. So S is sleep. Mm-hmm. H is handle stress. I is interaction with others. E is exercise. L is learn new things, which we just covered a moment ago. And D is diet. All stuff we kind of have heard, you know, throughout our lives, things we yeah. need to do. Uh, but but now relating to the health of our brain and our shielding your brain. Yes. Absolutely. Shield your brain from from shield your brain. So yes. let's let's break each one of these down and why it's so important for the health of our brain. Well, during so you, you might have heard in Alzheimer's disease, there's this toxic material that builds up in the brain over it takes decades for this stuff to build up, kind of like cholesterol with heart disease. But in the brain, what is called amyloid. Mm-hmm. And uh, back when I was a kid, I discovered the first Alzheimer's gene, and it was the amyloid gene. And no one thought there was a gene for amyloid, and luckily I didn't listen very well. So I named it the amyloid precursor protein, or APP. That's the first Alzheimer's gene. So the amyloid itself is kind of like amyloid is to Alzheimer's as Cholesterol is to heart disease. Once you have congestive heart failure or you need a coronary bypass, you wouldn't only manage cholesterol. That's something you do in advance, right? Right. And it's the same thing with amyloid. Once you have Alzheimer's disease and the brain has started to deteriorate, it's not going to be enough just to manage your amyloid. That, that's what started you on that course 10, 20, 30 years ago. And the first gene mutations we found put you on that course faster. So how do you get rid of the amyloid in your brain? A lot of shield is based on that. Because if you get rid of the amyloid, you're blowing out the match that's going to start that fire that becomes Alzheimer's, right? Mm -hmm. So sleep, it's during sleep, right after you're done dreaming and you go into deep sleep, there are these little cells in the brain that act like little Pac-Men or scrubby bubbles. They're called microglia and they eat the amyloid. They're triggered to eat the amyloid right after you're done dreaming. And it's not a coincidence because when you're dreaming, you're recapitulating all the memories that were triggered all day in the form of movies based on real events. 
So dreams are like movies, but they're based on real events because your brain isn't a recorder, so it can't remember exactly everything that was triggered during the day. But dreams do so in kind of a semi-fictional way. And after that happens, those nerve cells that are firing make quite a bit of this stuff called amyloid, which is used to control the process. And then now the brain has to get rid of it. So it's during deep sleep, right after dreaming, that these little cells wake up and they start eating the amyloid for you. So if you want to, I call it mental floss, mental floss. If you want to clean your brain of debris that's going to hurt your brain later, you need to get enough sleep because every time you go from a dream cycle to a deep sleep cycle, that's one rinse cycle for the brain, right? So even if you, even if you only get six hours of sleep, we say try to get seven to eight hours, mm-hmm. right? Even if you can only get six hours, if you have a good power nap and have a little bit of REM dream sleep, a little bit of deep sleep or somebody that jolts you out of the nap, that's one rinse cycle for the brain as well. That's really incredible. I mean, we've always get a good night's sleep. You hear that constantly all the time make sure you sleep sleep but i didn't really know how it affected your brain and why and that is just so interesting my goodness a rinse cycle for your brain (laughs) yeah and and also those dreams are important because those dreams although they seem silly and fictional they are triggered to help um, consolidate memories but the brain does so in a very imperfect way using a combination of emotion and you know and semi-fictional reconstructions yeah, of, of why we can fly or you're in a different room and you, you don't know yeah. always weird dreams are weird and then so what does the h stand for so h is handling stress and i touched on this earlier but all too often you know we expect too much of ourselves and from others whether it's social interaction or social media or emails or expecting ourselves to remember everything expecting ourselves to be computers or encyclopedic uh, expectation um, versus what really happens is really a measure of your happiness versus your stress. So think about it. if you expect very little and something average happens, you're going to be happy. If you expect a lot and something average happens, you're going to be disappointed and unhappy. And that causes stress and frustration. And now you're conditioned to have anxiety because you're afraid that the next, next week, the same thing is going to happen again because your expectations are too high. So the thing is how to keep your intentions for growth high, but not your expectation. Mm -hmm. And that has to do with intentions for growth with social situations, with your family, with loved ones, with your job or anything you're doing, right? Just manage expectations to keep your ambitions and intentions high, but don't let them dictate your happiness because that's the number one cause of stress. That is a way to look at it as well because yes and meditation meditation, that is you know i gotta be honest when i hear that word or or i've gotten better about it because i've read about it i've interviewed people on meditation but you know when i first heard it i'm like "Eh, meditation i don't know if i'm that kind of person like to sit still like that and and you know i always thought it was like you don't think about anything but you actually do think about you can't not think about anything that's kind of you know that's silly but i've been trying to do it myself i've been getting up earlier really started a new thing because I'm not a morning person, but I'm really trying to like get my day started off better, get earlier, work, work out and just take a few minutes. Doesn't have to be long and just kind of deep breaths and just sometimes guided, sometimes just my own thoughts. And I think it really helps, you know, it really does. Yeah. My, my trick for meditation is, is picture yourself sitting outside by a tree in the woods and bugs are coming by or flying by. 
And those are thoughts, right? And feelings. And you can't stop the bugs. What right. you do is while you're sitting there, you just, just gently wave those bugs away from your face. So as thoughts and feelings come in, it's a dynamic process. You're never going to be perfectly still. But as thoughts or feelings come to you from your brain and you can't stop them, you don't try to stop them. Just gently wave them away the way you would wave bugs away from your face sitting under a tree. It's a really cool meditation. I love that. Yes. Because a lot of people, you know, when they hear that we're like some guru sitting on top of a mountain meditating and I'm never going to do that, but you could do it in your office. You could do it anywhere. You could do it at any time. It doesn't take very long. I mean, you can do it long, but it's just to get a meditation practice started, I think is important for so many of us, you know, just to slow it down for a minute, you know, cause we're always on a gerbil wheel. So I think that's a really good part of it. Uh, so let's talk about the I. Uh, interaction. Yeah. Yes. The I is just interaction with others because and it's related to the L learning new things. Cause when you interact with others, you're being stimulated, um, you know, to, to, to learn new things or hear new things, you know, staying social, is something the brain wants you to do. Mm -hmm. And the bottom line is that loneliness, meaning being alone, loneliness is being alone and not liking it, right? Because some people like being alone. Mm -hmm. um, but loneliness um, increases risk for Alzheimer's disease by at least twofold. So staying socially interactive is important. So a lot of people, as they get older, don't notice they can't hear as well. And they may be in a group of people and they drop out of the conversation. They're less interactive. And a lot of that's because they can't hear. Um, so you have to, as you get older, pay attention. Are you hearing okay? Um, like for me, you know, I kind of sometimes just blow my ears out with my nose, you know, because I get, as you get older, you also, your sinuses aren't as good. And so you got to open your ears, you know. Uh, my mother used to say, get the potatoes out of your ears. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but, but as you get older, pay attention to whether your hearing's okay, because it's a, it's a, it's a downward slide where if you can't hear as well, even with people, you're kind of in the background, not really interacting. And then little by little, you decide you don't want to be with people. So people. that's why hearing is a risk factor because it can lead to that lack of interaction. And just side note, I did an interview with someone from the Hearing Association, and now hearing aids are available over the counter. They're not as expensive. And it's thank God, because that's really could always buy, you know, reading glasses. So why not hearing aids? So I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. And that really can help a lot of people. But I know loneliness yeah. is a big factor. And over COVID, I think it really was glaring. People yeah. isolated and they were alone and it really affected people in so many ways did you did you yeah. find that oh absolutely when i was doing interviews during covid i would always say um you know call your mom call your dad call your grandfather call your grandmother call loved ones because a, a phone call goes a long way teach them how to use facetime yeah right. um because that 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 interaction goes a long way and yeah. keep track about whether your mom dad loved ones who are getting older can hear okay mm -hmm. because the first step toward lack of social interaction and then and then becoming more reclusive is lack of is loss of hearing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's that's a really good point. And, and call your mom. <laughs> call your mom. Um, Always a important thing to do. Um, very important. Yeah, right. so we're interaction and exercise. Mm. My favorite because I've been working out my entire life and it's a big part of my life. But now we know that it can help with our brain health. Yeah, three three ways. Uh, first, obviously. Exercise leads to good, good cardiovascular health. What's good for the heart is good for the brain. 
keeping your blood flow going, right? I mean, um, avoiding brain issues that come from uh, uh, stroke or just ha having bad cardiovascular, thus bad, and thus bad neurovascular help. Number two is that when you exercise, people don't realize this, is you actually trigger the birth of new nerve cells in your brain, specifically in the part of the brain that's most affected by Alzheimer's disease as you get older. So there's a part of the brain that allows you to keep track of what's going on day to day, short-term memory, you know, information coming in, putting it into context, into perspective. And that part of the brain is what goes first. And when you exercise, you actually induce two things, the birth of new nerve cells, stem cells in that part of the brain, and the, the release of a protein that helps those nerve cells survive and do well, kind of like miracle grow for nerve cells. It's called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF. So exercise alone can get, get both of those done. We actually showed that in some studies. In how, how much exercise? Uh, does it take a lot? Uh, you know, robust. So I do 30 minutes a day on my bike next to me, every recumbent bike. I do it like 90 RPM at like mid, mid, mid uh, resistance, you know, somewhere between five and 10. And I do that for a half hour. But if I wasn't doing that to get the equivalent I'd of just a brisk walk, I'd probably have to do the brisk walk for more like 45 minutes to an hour. Because the whole point is with exercise is blood flow, right? When you get more blood flow to the brain, it literally, it literally brings things to the brain that keep the brain healthy. And these factors that come from your liver, from your gut, from various organs, now we know that there are factors that have to get into the brain to help trigger new nerve cells to be born, to help trigger protective hormones, to help uh, turn down neuroinflammation. And the most amazing thing is when you exercise is it actually triggers an enzyme to be made in the brain that gets rid of the amyloid. That's so at night by sleeping, incredible. you get those scrubby bubble cells to eat it. And then during the morning when you exercise, you actually trigger an enzyme that breaks it down. So two different ways to get rid of amyloid in the brain, exercise and sleep. And I like to say, if you sleep enough, you're more likely to exercise more. And if you exercise more, you're more likely to get good sleep. So you want that virtuous cycle to be induced. Absolutely. That is so true. And it's just such an, I've been doing it my entire life, teaching workout classes and just always been involved in it. And for some people though, that word exercise is just like, oh, but I like to say physical activity, you know, just move your move. body in some move. way. You don't need to go to a gym. I mean, there's so many ways to, yeah. to move your body. Just move. You'll know whether your blood is flowing faster. You'll know whether your heart is beating more. It's not even aerobic. I mean, you know, um, my resting heart rate is probably about 58 on, on, on my bike. I probably get it up to 80 or 90 for a half hour. And I know that that's now feeding my brain through higher blood flow with the nutrients it needs for that day. So it's kind of like breakfast for your brain, Yeah. right? Like you, you, by exercising for 30 minutes, you're literally forcing blood to bring the things to your brain, your brain needs to be healthier. So think about it as breakfast for your brain. Wow. I, I just made that up on the spot here. Well, I, I like it. I like it. It's another reason we should be moving our bodies. Just the yeah. many, many, many reasons. And then, of course, we talked about L. That's the learning. But you said don't just do like a, a brain game. Learn something new. Or you can do brain games, but learn something new if you can. Yeah, brain games help you to focus. Mm -hmm. But turn that focus on 
mindfully, deliberately learning new things. It could be as easy as reading a nonfiction book about some part of history. It could be learning a new, new hobby, gardening. It could be learning a new instrument, learning a, a language. But it could be as simple as watching a documentary. Mm-hmm. Just watch something, be in the moment, be mindful, and learn. Mm-hmm. And that's going to make new synapses that strengthen old synapses. And literally, synapses are money in the bank. The more, the more synapses you make with age, the more you can lose before you lose it. So if you want to have resistance or resilience against the brain going downhill or Alzheimer's, make more synapses and stave off inflammation. And that's where the diet comes in. The D, very, very important. Let's talk a little bit about that. So the reason why diet can help the brain with keeping away inflammation, and inflammation is the biggest killer of cells. You have to realize inflammation in the body and brain is meant as a defense system, Mm -hmm. okay? When cells start to die for whatever reason, the body interprets that as an infection, even if it's not, okay? So in your brain, you know, now that we live as old as we do, nerve cells start to die for reasons of how long we live. Amyloid is building up, pathology is building up in the brain that comes with many decades of life. And as a result, X number of nerve cells will start to die. But when the brain senses that, in fact, those same little cells I told you about, the scrubby bubbles that clean the amyloid, while they're cleaning, they're keeping track of what they're eating. Okay? If they start eating dead nerve cells, like debris from dead nerve cells, they start getting little alarm bells go off and they're like, ooh, dead nerve cells. And they're programmed by evolution to assume one thing. If there are dead cells, it must be an infection. In this case, it's not an infection. It's just those cells died because you're getting older and there's some amyloid building up. You didn't get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. You didn't exercise enough. So those little cells that were housekeepers take off the apron, put on the SWAT team gear, and there's like, wipe out this part of the brain. It's infected, even if it's not. That is what causes the bulk of cell death that gets you to mild cognitive impairment or Alzheimer's. So how do you stave that off? Those little cells are programmed by your gut. There's bacteria in your gut, 8,000 different strains of bacteria in your gut microbiome, trillions of bacteria, Mm -hmm. that when they're happy, we've shown, this is not woo-woo, kind of like, you know, this is real. Real science has shown this. This has been, you know, we did it in our lab, many papers we published on this. If those bacteria, and I'll tell you how to keep them happy in a moment. If those bacteria are balanced and happy, they literally send things to your brain that will tell those little cells to chill out, keep calm and carry on, keep cleaning the amyloid, those, tells those little cells, keep housekeeping, everything's fine, do not become killers. Hmm. So that's why these microglial cells are so important. They clean up the debris, they keep your brain healthy, but if while they're doing so, they think there's a problem, they destroy the brain. Wow. A lot of people don't know this. Know. And, you can, and so you have to control them. So we talk about developing drugs that are microglial chill pills. 
So they so that if they start to become killers, they're like, no, there's no infection there. You were just programmed this way by evolution. You didn't get the memo about how long we live. Nerve cells are dying for other reasons. You don't have to freak out and kill this part of the brain. It's not infected. It's right. just that nerve cells are dying because you're 70 years old and you have amyloid and you didn't get enough sleep and exercise. So diet, if you have a high fiber diet, these little bacteria like plants, they like fiber and it's that's and you know so people take probiotics right when you take a probiotic or you eat your yogurt that's great for you but you're getting maybe 12 different strains of bacteria that are helpful and you're adding maybe a billion more to trillions yeah what's more important is prebiotics prebiotics are plant-based fiber nuts seeds whole grains vegetables fruits things that these bacteria like to eat. And when you feed them well, they can produce more of the metabolites that go from your gut into your brain, especially with exercise, mm -hmm. and keep the brain healthy by telling those little cells, no inflammation, stop the inflammation. Instead, housekeep, clean the debris. Mm -hmm. So diet does this. It's, it actually converts those killer cells back to housekeeper cells. It's, it's probably the most important thing you can do. It's it's really fascinating. And I've interviewed people about gut health and talked about it, but I never really knew the mechanism behind yeah. it. So that's that's really interesting to me. I never knew how it actually worked with the cells. I just always knew you eat fried foods or you know fatty foods and that's going to increase inflammation and that's bad <laughs> and that can affect our brain. But I didn't realize how it worked. So that's that's really interesting. It's amazing. And yet there's still so much more we need to learn about the brain, isn't there? Yeah, the ba these bacteria are making, are releasing metabolites. And when they're eating plant-based fiber and healthy food, they make the good metabolites your body and brain needs. If you give them just fat and sugar and salt, which are the main ingredients in junk food, and the reason why we crave fat, sugar, and salt is because evolutionarily that kept us alive, right? I mean, you know, a long time ago, you want to survive the winter, you need fat, you need energy to run away from the tiger, you need sugar, you want to um, control your sweating, because you're running around all the time in the, in the, in the savannah, you need, you need salt. Mm -hmm. So but today, we're, we're conditioned to like sugar, fat and salt, because instinctively, that's what kept us alive. But now, it's what keeps keeping us from thriving, yeah. right, rather than surviving. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to limit that. And those bacteria, if they're getting too much fat, sugar, salt, processed foods, um, the the bad ones start to outweigh the good ones because because it's kind of like Game of Thrones. I call it Game of Clones because these bacteria are fighting all the time for uh, colonizing your gut, and the good ones that make you healthy need plant based fiber. The bad ones that thrive when you eat junk food, well, you want to make sure that the good ones win. That's another reason to really watch it doesn't mean you can never have a treat every now and then but really important to to make sure you take care of your diet and what goes into your mouth because that your nutrition is so important for your overall health not just your brain health you know and we know that you know it's nothing that's nothing new but i think you know you've really touched on some great points here and i did want to just circle back to one more thing and that was uh if there are tests available today that we can know, like maybe someone younger or even someone my age, do we have a propensity 
for uh, Alzheimer's. And some people may not want to know, but I think if you know, and there's something you could do about it, I mean, that, that would be good news to me. If I, if I got that news, I'd say, okay, well, this is what I can do about it to try to prevent it from happening down the road. Is there a well, test right now? There, there are. There's a, a blood test um, to tell you if you have amyloid brewing in your brain, mm -hmm. a blood test from St. Louis. Um, and you can, health, health insurance doesn't cover it because they say it's not actionable. In other words, lifestyle doesn't count as an actionable step. There has to be a med, a medicine that helps you. But now that the amyloid, some amyloid drugs have been approved, it's possible that the blood test will be approved. Again, for amyloid, you need to hit it before symptoms optimally. You know, if you already have the disease, these amyloid-based medications, these, you know, that we've heard about that have been approved at your home and Lakembi, uh, they're, they're limited value. But the, the, but there is a blood test for the amyloid. There's PET scanning. That's more cumbersome, the imaging for the amyloid. Um, and then what can you do? I mean, if you find out you have amyloid brewing in your brain, some people don't want to know. Yeah. But you, you really have to try extra hard to get more sleep, extra hard to exercise more. Mm -hmm. um, and on diet, you know, you really want to ramp your diet toward really keeping those gut microbiome bacteria happy. So I, I tell people about synbiotics, S-Y-N biotics. Synbiotic is a prebiotic plus a probiotic. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to do that in the morning. Take yogurt and add to it some whole grains or crunchy like I use these dark chocolate nibs you put in there, or you can get like um, a, a whole grain type of thing with different types of whole grains you pour in. So just add whole grains and, and antioxidant dark chocolate nibs to your yogurt and mix it all together. Um, and you have a symbiotic. It's probably the most important, that would be the most important meal of your day for your brain. Wow, that's so interesting. It really is the shield method. And I think that's great. And I want to thank you for sending your three books that really, I mean, it's just so nice of you to do that. And I really, I've got through the one, I'm going to read the other two, but I think that it's so interesting and it's something we all should know because we can make changes in our lives that affect how we live and our cognition and just our overall health. Uh, and I just thank you so much for sharing this with me and, and spending your time with me today. Well, thank you for having me. It was a fun conversation and uh, you said you're going to turn 60, so you're definitely doing something right, so keep doing that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm trying to follow the SHIELD yeah. method. Yeah, good. <laughs> okay. And hopefully we've got you know some other people on board with it as well with this. So appreciate your being with me, and I thank you for joining me today for Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Again, don't forget to like and subscribe, and I'll keep you updated on my most recent episode. Until I see you again, keep living well.